You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. Joined by my co-host today, Joey Ikes. We have a lot to talk about today after a brutal 31-10 loss to the Buffalo Bills on the road and a interesting matchup coming up this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. we got a lot to talk about. We're going to dive right into it. Uh, before we get started, though, Joey, how you doing? Uh, ready for Christmas? I uh, I am ready for Christmas. Uh, pretty close. I've got a little bit of last-minute shopping to do for, for one person. <laughs> Um, you know, my wife handles 99% of that, and I get to handle the 1%. And, of course, we here we are five days before Christmas or four days before Christmas, whatever it is, and um, and I, I still haven't finished my 1%. So that, that shows you how things go most of the time. But, yeah, I'm good. I'm excited for Christmas. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, always. Um, always sneaks up on you. It's like, oh, you got two months, and then it's a month, and then, like, like right now, I feel like it's two weeks away, but it's literally five days away. So I'm scrambling too. That's why we're recording this on Wednesday morning instead of uh, Tuesday night like we normally do because I was out Christmas shopping last night. And of course, it's a disaster anywhere you go this time of year. So uh, we're scrambling a little bit, but we're uh, we're we're hope hopefully handling this a lot better than the Cowboys handled their game last week against the Buffalo Bills. Let's start there. Um, obviously, not a fun one. We're kind of riding high after. A lot of good games from the Cowboys recently, um, and they got they got the punch in the face that that I mean, some people think they kind of needed. We had talked about it to close the show last week. Maybe they needed a ugly performance kind of towards the end of the year to kind of just reset the mentality, reset that physical presence that we've we've talked about because you know they were on such a good run. It was like, man, it's kind of tough to see them if they are going to make this great run that we're talking about. It's kind of tough to see them doing it, you know. 12, 13, 14 weeks straight, which was what would have been asked to them if they were to close out the year undefeated uh, during that stretch and then make a run through the playoffs. So uh, we, 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 they answered that question. We got the ugly performance from, you know, the, the offense and the quarterback, you know, the defense was, was atrocious. So we got a lot of bad to talk about. Might, might not be a ton of positive going on in this episode, but I think we're going to try to figure out some ways that maybe they can correct some of these issues and, and get back on track this week against Miami and then to close out the season against Detroit and Washington. But let's start with Buffalo. Um, we'll, we'll just, we'll, 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 we'll propose the broad question. What went wrong in Buffalo? Well, I think it's a combination of, of a few things. Um, I think there were some things outside of their control that played a factor, you know, you watch the, uh, the coaches tape, like I know you do and I do, and you watch the, uh, the end zone view in Buffalo is relatively low compared to a lot of the end zone views. And so on one of the end zones, there's two of them. Now you can, there was a goalpost basically right in the frame at the start of every play. And so you got to look at what the wind was doing on each individual play. And it was, to me at least, it was um, the only word that I can use is almost like shocking, like how much variance there was in the wind from play to play. Like you would go one play and there would be no wind at all. And then the next play, you'd pick it up and the, the flag on top of the goalpost would just be flapping, going crazy. And, you know, you hear that about that stadium um, that it kind of whips around in there, but the inconsistency of it is what kind of got me. And one play in particular where that wind was whipping is the uh, the deep ball to Brandon Cooks. I think it was the first drive of the game, early in the game, the deep ball to Brandon Cooks that Dak overthrows 
by like five or six yards. And I looked at it. That's like a 67 yard air yard throw yes. by Dak that looked extremely casual when he threw it. Like he did not look like he put everything he had into that ball. And that's the longest throw he's had all season that I've seen, at least air yards wise. So, and you look at the wind on that play and the wind is blowing in the exact direction that he missed the throw, which tells me Dak didn't miss that throw nearly as badly as it looked like he did. It turned into uh, the the wind got a hold of it and pulled it three or four yards further and a couple of yards offline of where he wanted it. It happens, right? And then there's, you know, penalties and, you know, missed opportunities, not challenging a play that could have been, you know, a game-changing play in the game. We talk about how once this team gets one turnover, things kind of roll for them, especially on defense. Um, and so I think it was one of those games that just think the ball didn't bounce their way. And then they had a team that was willing to, and I've talked about this a lot about how I don't worry about the run defense very much because teams aren't willing to. They were willing to run the ball 50 times at them and just have super consistent success and to be fair it's pretty easy to do that when you know 12 minutes into the game you're up 14 to nothing um and and you know you get to halftime up 21 to 3 or something like that it's pretty easy to just take the air out of the ball and run the crap out of the ball in that situation um so I think that's kind of what happened is the game just got away from them. And I think watching the tape made me feel a little bit better about the offense than I did before. Um, I still have some concerns that I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, in terms of the way they executed what was called, I feel a lot better than I did, you know, coming out of the live viewing. Uh, The defense on the other hand, the, the run defense was just, you know, that's unacceptably bad run defense. That's below that line of you can be not great at it and still survive. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest thing after kind of watching the tape and looking at everything was I felt like we talked about it, I don't think it was last week, I think it was two weeks ago, like going into that Philly game. Like we wanted them to go into that game aggressive and like not afraid, like just be themselves. And I felt like – I'm going to talk about both sides of my mouth because I feel like they started the game kind of that way. They were using the motion. They were – the first play of the game, they they ran the you know they ran the ball in first down and they got a decent chunk out of it, but it came out and did run the ball in the first play of the game, which I'm I'm not blame I'm not yelling at Mike McCarthy for doing that. If you're not going to come out and throw a pass on the first play of the game every time, but they came out you know and they were using motion. They had the you know the shot play on second down there that that they just missed. Uh, Dak was using his legs, so like the first drive of the game, I was kind of happy with. Um, they obviously had some penalties there that that stalled them out and ended up, you know, taking a sack on third down uh, that, that you, you know, obviously don't want to do, knock yourself out of a chance and maybe going forward on fourth down or getting yourself out of a field goal range. But I felt like after that, they like I, – I, I tracked it the other day. They went through, I charted it, and they – after that first drive of the game, they had two plays with motion for the rest of the first half. And one was one of the old, like, hey, Jake Ferguson, come to this side. Like, it, it you know, wasn't really even a – motion that's effective you know like earlier in the year they were kind of doing a little bit of motion but it wasn't anything that was like tricking defenses or or leveraging defenders to like play one way or the other it's kind of just like bringing a guy in motion setting him up half second snap the ball and like they had two total motions after the first drive of the game so I felt like they went away from that um and then obviously you know we talked about the other week like they had the ability to change the game with that challenge flag. Uh, again, they they didn't do it in Philadelphia. They didn't do it here. And I feel like in that situation, when you got three timeouts um, with the, the the first half winding down, you're getting kicked in the teeth. I, I mean, even if you just want to bang a timeout to give yourself time to look at the play and go, hey, was it a fumble? We get we get to see the replay at this point. You know, we're giving ourselves time to make a decision on it. Um, they just. I think that was the that was the big turning point in the game for me because it was I think it was 14 to 3 at that point if I'm not mistaken and it was like if you can come back you know you get the ball on that side of the 50 yard line you're able to go down and score a touchdown before half like this goes from being a whole lopsided game to being a actual football game and I just felt like I felt like there was a lot of I hate to say conservative conservativeness cuz I, I don't I don't even know if that's the right word for it but they just didn't play as aggressive and confident as they had been playing for those weeks that they were going on that run. Like I said, the lack of motion 
after that first drive of the game was really frustrating to me. Um, I, I didn't like that they really didn't target the middle of the field as much as they had been. We didn't we saw one seam throw late in the game when you know the game was pretty much over at that point to CD Lamb. But like Jake Ferguson only saw one target in the first half. I want to say it was, um, and that was right before halftime. You know they they weren't using the areas of the field and the players that I felt like they could have used to really exploit the the Buffalo defense and, and Buffalo played fantastic defensively. Like I'm, I'm not saying this is all solely a Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott and passing game thing. I think they ran into a bus all of a, a defense that day that had, you know, they had an idea of what you were doing and when you were doing it and they covered everything really, really well. But I think that they kind of made things a little bit easier on Sean McDermott and the Buffalo defense by not exploiting some of those areas that I felt like they could have. Um, and I don't know, like I said, like I, I hate this, quit using like the scared tactic because I, I don't know that it was that but I just know there's been times where you know when the when they're on the road they're they're, they're not as aggressive targeting that middle of the field because they're worried about turning the ball over against these good teams like is it that or is it just Buffalo defended it perfectly so we stayed away from it um that's kind of like my biggest takeaway from the, that game and, and really you're grading the first half because the second half of the game was pretty much over and there wasn't even a whole lot to take away from the second half of that game yeah, I think one of the things that I think that we that's hard to account for is how they felt about things like footing, how they felt about, about things like, you know, we talked about the wind earlier and all that kind of stuff and how that was going to impact their ability to be effective in the passing game. Because, um, I mean, we talk about, you know, Dak not executing extremely well in the game and them not being, you know, dynamic in the passing game and all that kind of stuff. This is a game where Josh Allen completed less than 50% of his passes for under a hundred yards. Like, no, he didn't have to throw the ball a lot. He only threw the ball 15, he only had 15 attempts. And I think 16 dropbacks, I don't know, scrambles and stuff like that excluded, but he had 15 attempts and they sacked him one time. I just don't think it was a great day to be passing the football in that particular stadium whether it's footing-wise, because, I mean, the thing that's a little bit underrated is this is a turf stadium that I, you know, I learned that Sunday morning or Saturday <laughs> night or something like that, that it was a turf stadium. An open-air turf stadium in the 40s when it's raining and there's wind blowing. Like, that to me is a recipe for people falling down, for bad footing, bad footballs, all that kind of stuff. It seemed like a day, and the, the early results before the game got out of hand made it look like a day where the answer was not to go out and try to throw the ball a ton of times over the middle of the field in contested areas where Buffalo was dropping a ton of dudes in coverage. They, they played seven or eight in coverage a ton in this game, and they were still able to get pressure because they did some some funky simulated pressure looks and things like that, but... I don't think this was a day to throw the ball into congested areas. And I don't think they, I think that's what they felt like, that this was not a day to do that and that they were going to have to win the game a different way. And the thing that sucks is it worked. It worked really well. The, I mean, in the first half, like you said, if we want to judge the first half, Dak was averaging nine yards a carry on the ground. Tony Pollard had was averaging almost five yards a carry on the ground, and that's including, you know, a couple taken away by penalty that shouldn't have been. Um, they, they ran the ball really well in this game, and they could have run the ball better or if they had not, you know, if they hadn't had problems taken away, like if they hadn't had penalties and things like that. And so – I think that's part of the explanation for why they didn't try to exploit down the field in the middle of the field. I think after that first drive, they were like, because even on the first drive, you know, you talk about they used motion and all that kind of stuff. They ran the ball on the first down, like you said. Then they had, you know, the, the incomplete deep shot that, I mean, imagine how different this game is if they tie the game up seven to seven on the second play from scrimmage, on their second play, offensive play from scrimmage, how different this game goes. But we talked about that. Then they go incomplete deep to 
Brandon Cooks, Dak scrambles for 13 yards, and you get the offsetting unnecessary roughness penalties. A 15-yard pass to Dak, and they go, run, run, run. And on the, the second run, that was the Tony Pollard goes up the middle for nine yards and a first down, and you get the 30 seconds after the play, the back judge 25 yards away from the play throws a holding penalty. Um and that takes them from what would have been first and 10 at the 29-yard line, basically just outside the red zone, to now second and 12. They get a perfectly call, or, you know, Greg Rousseau beats Terrence Steele, tackles for two yards, Dak gets sacked on the next play, and now all of a sudden, instead of first and 10 at the 29, and you're on your way to go score after you ran the ball for, you know, a pretty decent amount on that first drive and then did it again on the field goal drive. That's how they got down the field on the field goal drive was running the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have run the ball three more times in that situation. They had second and three. And I think they, they passed the ball on, on third down and it got deflected and then they punted. I would have run the ball second, third and fourth down. There's no way they're stopping you three times the way you were moving the ball. But I just don't think it was a day for them to be, trying to throw the ball around the yard, even if that's the way that they won a lot throughout the stretch that they were winning games. In the playoffs, you have to be able to win more than one way. And this was an opportunity for them to establish for themselves that they could win another way, and their defense just buckled completely. And that that's really the story. The defense buckled completely – after early in the game, they had a couple of opportunities to have big, huge swing moments. I mean, if Sam Williams just doesn't jump, if he just runs through the punter, the ball hits him in the chest, and it's probably a touchdown for the Cowboys. And instead, it turns into a touchdown for the Bills three plays later or whatever it was. Um, and then you add the fumble. I'm with you. I would have called a timeout there. Hey, we didn't get a look. Our players are freaking out. We got three timeouts. We're down. Hey, let's call it. There's not a more valuable timeout that we can call in a two minute situation than this one right here. Let's call this timeout right here. They went into the half with an extra timeout. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I am normally a don't call timeouts outside of the two minute warning person because, or outside of the last couple of minutes of the half person because the time is so valuable. But in that situation, just call a timeout. Make the challenge during the timeout. I think there's even a chance that if you make that challenge during that timeout and you get it, they give you the timeout back. But I don't know that for sure. I don't know the procedure on that for sure. But take bang your timeout there. Get the look at it. Because Fox isn't going to be able to give you a look while Buffalo's hurrying up. As soon as Stefan Diggs stood up and started screaming for them right. to hurry – that, that's just, the, just call the timeout. Absolutely. Give yourself a chance to regroup on defense. Give yourself a chance to get an idea on the on the challenge. And give everybody a chance to take a deep breath and take away that opportunity for them to to sprint up to the line and 10 seconds later call play. And that and that's that's the whole the the like the whole context of evolving that play is just what's kind of frustrating because it's like it wasn't like a sideline catch where a receiver's got you know trying to get two feet down and he really doesn't know if he got two feet in like if a receiver's telling you to hurry up and snap the ball because a fumble it's like normally he's telling you hey I, I fumbled that ball came out before I went down like he he can feel when the knees down and when the when the ball's out of the hand so like I mean there's just just the logistics of it was a bit frustrating but I, mean, I don't necessarily disagree with what you were saying as far as the offense and stuff, because they did have success running the ball. And, it, you know, you saw both teams have success running the football. Um, and as you said, like going into the playoffs, you got to be able to win multiple ways. It's just, I think they, I think it's that, I hate to say lack of trust because there's no reason not to trust it, but I just feel like you're not necessarily wrong. They were dropping guys into coverage a lot for Buffalo. They had four receivers against six or seven defenders a lot. That was going on a lot. I don't disagree with that part of it, but I think there's ways for this offense, whether it's crossers, whether it's, whether it's just more posts, whether it's more slants off, you know, from the, 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 the slot receivers, the areas of that field, I felt like they could have targeted better in the passing game, but they just didn't, they didn't, a lot of the targets were out towards the sideline, out towards the sideline. Um, we saw the one to Jake Ferguson, his first target of the day was, you know, the, the ball that could have, you know, was 50, 50 defense pass interference holding that 
just felt like so much of everything was out towards the boundary. Like they were scared to target that middle of the field. And it wasn't a great day. I get it. But that is just how they've been so successful, being aggressive in that middle area of the field. And again, like not to say, it, you know, it. they had some drives where they were able to move the ball and the penalties, you know, screwed them over. But I just feel like that aspect of this team has been going on for so long now that I'd rather them be aggressive and maybe turn the ball over here and there and stay aggressive in their game plan and have success in their game plan than try the, you know, 12 play seven minute drive because they just haven't shown the discipline and maturity as a team to like not get that bad holding penalty or, you know, not take the sack or miss the block. It just, it seems like whenever they try to be that team that goes on those long methodical, you know, drives like they were doing earlier in the year, there was always a penalty. There was always a missed block. There was always a, you know, whatever it was, it just seems like always something always seems to kind of go south for them when they do that. And I would just, like I said, like, I'd love to see them just stick to that identity that we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, like, Hey, this is who we are. You know, we're, we're obviously, we can, we can run the ball when we need to, but we're not going to be a team that's scared of targeting the middle of the field, no matter, you know, what, you know, again, obviously teams can take that away with single high safeties and all that stuff. And, and, you know, middle of the field closed, defenses but you know then they they have that aspect of their offense that can can win down the field from the boundary too and i I just i wish they would lean into that a little bit more than they they're showing because i feel like they they had i think they had some areas of the field that they could have been more aggressive in in the passing game that they just kind of ignored um throughout the day and and that's it's monday morning you know quarterback so i'll um you know it's one of those things where where for me it's it's you got to kind of stick to that identity yeah, and I, I definitely understand that. I just – I think that they felt like this wasn't a game where that identity was the way to win the game. And I think if you look at Buffalo, their identity for years has not been we're going to run the ball 50 times to win a game. Their identity for years now, you know, half a decade now Absolutely. since Josh Allen came into the league has been roll the ball out there. Hey, Josh, go do something. That's been their offensive identity. And he threw the ball 15 times in this game. And there there was no – there was not a whole lot of design quarterback run game. There was not a whole lot of any of that. It was turn around and hand the ball off and grind you into the dirt run game. Um, and so they deviated from their identity in a huge way and were able to – and as the game went on, that success got bigger and bigger. Like the, the runs got bigger and longer because, you know – you know, you hear body blows and all that kind of stuff. Like the Cowboys quit essentially. Yeah, absolutely. There's, if if they had been able to early in the game keep pace score wise, one or two of those breaks early in the game, the Brandon Cooks, the block punt, the fumble challenge, one or two of those breaks goes a different way, and they're able to keep pace in the first half. And you're not in a. I think the winning percentage, the the win probability was something like. Yeah, it was like 90% at halftime. It was 94% Buffalo win percentage at halftime. It was, you know, 84% halfway through the second quarter. So, like, the game was over basically by the end of the first quarter. Um, If they had been able to keep pace in that first quarter, um, score a touchdown on one of their first couple of possessions, convert the field goal to a touchdown, or, or not give up, you know, a couple of those things go differently early in the game, I think the second half goes significantly differently. Um, I just think this was this was one of those games that was not conducive to their normal style of playing, and that's the thing that's scary to me is that their response to right. this game is not conducive to our normal style yep. of playing. Absolutely. Was was to go into a shell. Yep. Um, in terms of, you mentioned the motion. They were using some, you know, I call them, I call a diff, there's a difference to me between a shift, which happens, yeah. guy moves and then resets. That's a shift to me. A motion is guy is moving at the snap. Uh, and there was a massive lack of motion to me throughout this game. The formations were stale. The routes were, the routes they did run were relatively stale. Um, that's the concerning part to me is the um is the way they responded to the way the Bills were playing. The Bills were dropping, you know, they were dropping their safeties 30 or 25, 30 yards deep. Their second level defenders were dropping super deep, but they were all driving hard downfield. Like and you could see it 
the one thing that I wish that the Cowboys offense, as I, you know, kind of look at it now post-mortem of this Bills game, they are way below league average in terms of RPO usage from a percentage and a um, and a pure volume basis. And I think part of that is they want to run the ball from under center a, a decent amount. And, you know, it's hard to run RPOs under center, uh, true RPOs. Um, and also, I think they think Dak is – they trust Dak so much at the line of scrimmage, they feel like he can get them into the right play before the snap and not have to read it after the snap. Um, and so – but to me, a defense playing like the Bills were playing – there are ways that you can answer that. One of those ways is go the Tony Romo special, wait till the to the extreme end of the play clock, which is outside of the Cowboys' typical personality, their identity on offense. They like to play pretty fast. Um, snap the ball with two seconds left on the play clock. One, the defense is going to – it's really hard for a defender to hold their water if yes. they're moving somewhere – after the snap, if they're lined up in one spot and they got to get somewhere else after the snap, it's really hard for them to hold their water all the way down and not give you anything pre-snap in that scenario. Secondly, um, a lot of what they were doing was showing these two deep safeties, especially on early downs, showing these two deep safeties. And then at the snap, they rotated hard. And these safeties were flying downhill against the run game. Which to me tells me I want to give Dak the opportunity after the snap to see that rotation and then make a decision about run versus pass versus having to be at the snap, get it to the line of scrimmage, see those two deep. And we saw it happen a bunch of times. And, you know, the the announcers called it out well. They, they did a good job with it. Greg Olson usually does. Get, get to the line of scrimmage. There's two deep safeties. Hey, kill, kill. Everybody in the world knows you're killing to a run in that situation. And then by the time you snap the ball and turn around to hand the ball off, that safety is flying downhill. He's he's gained 15 yards of, of space by the time the handoff happens. And now all of a sudden it's not a six-man box. Now it's a seven, eight-man box that you're playing against immediately post-snap. If you're running RPOs after the snap, you have a chance to read that and see that happen and still hit the pass behind it, which is what is what the uh, what the way to beat that kind of stuff is. And so to me, there were opportunities that way from a scheme game plan strategy standpoint that because it's not a big part of their offense, because RPOs are not a big part of their offense, they couldn't just pivot to, hey, this is how we're going to beat these late rotations is with these with RPOs. And we're just going to let you read it out that. And when you when you take the snap, read it out. If it's there, throw it. If not, hand it off because it means they're they're dropping out of there, and we've got an opportunity to run the ball pretty well. Um, so that's to me that's really the concerning part is that they they don't seem to have a great answer. And we're going to find out if they if it changes when they go to Miami because this guy, you know, the guy coordinating the defense in Miami is one of the best in the in the world at it. Yeah, at showing the same thing pre-snap. Two safeties deep, um, big umbrella, all that kind of stuff, and then shifting into all kinds of crazy variations of all this kind of stuff. And whether it's bringing a guy downhill and turning it into middle field closed, whether it's bringing a guy downhill and turning it into quarter, quarter, half, you know, cover six, um, whatever, or playing quarters or two or whatever, um, we're going to find out if they if they have an answer for that in a world where they're not playing in the, you know, in the rain and the wind and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's the concerning part for me is that their answer to, Hey, these guys are going to change everything post snap was to, to have everybody stand still and run, yeah. run straight down the field at them uh, at a changing picture. That, that, that's Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where Viator steps in you can book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The scary part to me. That's, I mean, you kind of explained it in a much, much better way than I was trying to. But like, that's my biggest concern is like, and whether, I, and I don't know what it is. Like, the, the theme we have so far is that when they get punched in the face early in a game, they're on the road against a real, relatively good team. They just have no way to respond to that. Like, and it, I'll go back to Arizona. They were on the road in Arizona. They got down an offensive lineman, their offensive linemen were out of the game, and they felt like we can't be ourselves today. So they did things different. And that was before some of these adjustments were made where they were already pretty stale on offense, and they got even worse on offense because they were like – I hate to keep using the word scared, but it's like when they just – when they get hit early and they're on the road against a good team, it's like instead of opening things up, they, like you said, they kind of go in that shell and, like, get worse. And it's like they got to – they. I don't know if that's a Mike McCarthy thing. I don't know if that's a Brian Schottenheimer thing. I don't know if that's a Dak Prescott thing. Whoever's thing that is, somebody's got to sit down and have a serious long talk and go, hey, that's not how you respond. <laughs> because right. it just snowballs into, like, a bigger issue throughout a game. And it goes from – bad to worse really quick because then you get back to the you know see it on all 22 on third and 10 you got four guys at the sticks turned around and you got seven defenders four of the seven defenders are latched onto your receiver's back pocket then you got two deep safeties and there's no there's nothing there to to threaten a leverage there's nothing there to threaten uh oh i gotta cover this side of the field it's just four guys running to the sticks and turning around. And it's like they put a leash on themselves so often in these these games on the road against, you know, good teams. And it's like I said, for, for Arizona's sake, sometimes not even good teams. It's just when you don't have your full staff, it's like we're not going to be able to do this today. Before they go into the game, it's like we're not going to be able to do this today, guys. We don't have our two best offense alignments, so we're SOL. We're going to have to do things this way. And it's like quarterback's pretty damn good. Your receiver's pretty good damn good. Your, your tight end's pretty damn good. Like – Let's let these guys play ball a little bit before we we go into a bubble and and try to protect ourselves for four quarters. Yeah, and it's weird because like some games they'll be without those guys and play just fine and they'll look electric, they'll protect just fine, everything will be great. And then some games they go into it and they look like they played against they look like they did against Buffalo. Well, for me and, it's uh, it's and that like I hate the I hate the like the they don't play well on the road. Like that's such just like a wide statement that you know it's tough to but like to me sometimes I think it is like oh we're playing Buffalo on the road the last thing we can do is lose this game because we throw interceptions or because we 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 were being too aggressive in the middle of the field like I, I do think some of it is that like I think San Francisco it's like the only way we can win this game like that's obviously not what they're saying but it's like the only way we can win this game is if we play mistake free freight football and the easiest way to do that is to avoid the aggressive areas of the field that you know result in turnovers sometimes like I'm not saying that's the case but that just seems like it is because you know again you go back to the you go back to the schedule and see you know some of the games they didn't play their best ball in it was you know, they, they, the Jets' defense was at home. They they rolled the Jets' defense. Then they go to the Cardinals and get beat the next week at the Cardinals. On the road, they got punched in the mouth early. They were down some offensive linemen. Um, the 49ers game, obviously, losing 42-10. to 10, That was on the road against a good team. They got punched in the face. Um, and then, like I said, everything else has either been a home game, except for Buffalo, has either been a home game or a bad team where you feel like, 
hey, we're, you know, even the Seahawks game, they kind of got punched in the face early in that game, but they were at home and, you know, they're a solid team. They, they helped us out last night, but, uh, or Monday night, but it just feels like whether their difference between the home and the road, and I don't know if they're afraid to use the motion on the road because of pre-snap penalties and stuff like that or whatever that is, but it just, it does feel like there's a difference from this team on the home, on, on their home turf and then on the road turf. And I just, I don't know if that's a, you know, Monday through Saturday mentality thing, or if that's a game plan thing or what but they, I mean, they're going to have to get over that because again, they have a really good team and that's what we'll get to next is they, they have a really good team with a really explosive offense. They can play good defense coming up this weekend in Miami and they're going to be on the road. Obviously the weather conditions won't be bad, but they're going to be traveling to Miami and playing a legit AFC Super Bowl contender and uh, uh, offense that can run the ball. They can throw the ball and they can make things really difficult on your offense on defense. So they're going to get a week to to kind of show us what they're made of after a disaster of a week against Buffalo. Yeah, I think you're uh, I think you're absolutely right, is that. There is something mindset wise going on with them on the road against good teams right now. Or, and I would even say uncommon opponents, but they've played San Francisco so much that the last couple of years that I don't feel like you can call them an uncommon opponent anymore. Uh, but there's something on the road against good teams that anything or, or, or really on the road at all is that they go into the game with a plan. The scary part about this for me is that this looked like those weeks between the Arizona and San Francisco game. Yes. Right. Where, where we started looking around going, okay, this offense has been pretty efficient. They've kind of been carried by the defense playing really well, but this is not what really high level offense looks like. Um, it, this is a problem. And then they came out of the bye week and it was unbelievable and amazing. Right. And then, and then they, they just went back to it this week. And I, like I said, I'm trying to, I hope to be able to give them the benefit of the doubt of, you know the weather, the playing surface, all that kind of stuff played a factor into it. Um, but whatever it was, it can't happen again this week against Miami, or you might get beat seventy to three against this oh, team. And that is not an exaggeration <laughs> no, at all. And their defense is better now than it was when they did that to Denver. So good luck. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I mean, like we're, you know, we'll kind of close it out with this. I just, I, I do think some of their struggles against Buffalo were correctable. You know, I think they tackled very poorly. I think that this was the worst tackling performance of the year. They've been a good tackling team. I think they can get back to doing that. Um, I think, you know, the, the offensive side of the ball, I just think that they have to, they have to figure out what their identity is and lean in it. And like, no matter what the conditions are, no matter, you know, who the opponent is, whether you're home and away, if they're going to be a passing game that's got an MVP candidate running the offense, lean into it. Like, that's just what you got to do. You can't – you get caught in the middle so much, I think, with this team where it's like, oh, are we going to – you know, are we going to have to run it 35 times a day? And it's like, mate – but even like Joe I, – I love Joe Brady's response to that. He was like, when we went into that game with Dallas, I had no intentions of calling 40 however many run plays they ran. He was like, that was not the game plan whatsoever – but after the first couple of drives of the game, they weren't stopping it. So I said, hell with it. We're just going to keep calling the run until they show they can stop it. And like, that needs to be the mindset. It's like, hey, we're going to throw the ball across the yard unless we get in the game and we're popping off seven, eight yards per carry and they can't stop it. Then we'll change it. But like, I almost feel like they go into the week like, well, boys, we might have to, we might have to change things up this week because I don't know if we're going to be able to do what we normally do. Like, I mean, again, we're all assuming here, but that just kind of see the way that they played that game especially after the first drive of the game, it makes it seem like they went, yep, not going to be the day that we can do this today, boy. So it's it, we're going to have to switch it up. And it's like, that's way too early in the game. And you got way too many good players on the offensive side of the ball to do that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's, that's sort of the, um, that's the only conclusion we can really draw is that that's what happened, that they went into the game saying, you know, we're not going to be able to do what we normally do. We're going to have to pivot. Uh and but I mean the, then the other side of the coin is they came out and took a freaking you know hell not hell mary but freaking haymaker deep shot on second down on the first fifteen of the game like so and and that's what the I, like, I think they I think they came out into that game like oh we're good and then the first drive happened they're like oh boy you know like 
we missed our deep shot. You know, we had penalties are piling up time to get back in the shell. You know, it's like, it's like they too, they either pl- game plan for it or they too quickly revert back to that, you know, more conservative approach when things don't start off their way. And I think that's why you got beat, you know, by 21 against the bills and, 32 against the 49ers because you quickly kind of get away from what you've been good at for so long instead of sticking to it and just going like, hey, we're going to live and die by it. Yeah, and to to be fair to them, again, the game was over halfway through the second quarter. Basically, when they kicked – and I don't know, you know, I don't know what the – you know, what Ben Baldwin's fourth down bot said and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm assuming it told them to go for it. but I meant to bring that up earlier too yeah. when we talked but about the. So. When they kicked the field goal in the middle of the second quarter, the game was over. Yeah, fourth and fourth and four down fourteen. It's like, I mean, you're. It's and we talked about it, like it's not like they were like disasterly not moving the football. Like it's like that's the that's the perfect time to go. Hey, you know, let's let's get this back into a one possession game and, and get rolling. You know, but I think that some of that could scaredness, conservativeness, whatever you want to call it, kind of kicked in and they went, eh, let's just take points here. And then, you know, it was a it was a three possession game again within the next however many minutes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those that like it's like I said, I had to run the ball three times in a row there because they had second and one at the eleven. And and to get to second and one at the eleven, they had run the ball three times and gone from the thirty two yard line to the eleven yard line. They gained 21 yards and three rushes in the three plays immediately leading up to that. Uh, and had second and one at the 11. Took a three-yard loss because they ran. And this is the play. This is the kind of play I'm talking about. You know, and I'll stop rambling about this stuff here in a minute. Uh, a late rotation safety. I'll call it a blitz. I don't necessarily know that it was an addition as much as it was, you know, one of their simulated pressure type things. Late rotation by the safety to the open side, and they're running weak side inside zone is what it looked like, if I remember right, right into it. And Tony Pollard gets tackled for a three-yard loss. And instead of going, okay, we think we can run the ball twice and get more than four yards in these two plays, we're going to run the ball on third down. They pass it. It gets tipped at the line of scrimmage, incomplete, and now they're kicking a 32-yard field goal. There are times when I think you have to kind of bow your neck, especially with the way – this is going to sound kind of crazy. With the way Buffalo was running the ball, you almost had to at that point in time say, all right, you're doing that. We can do that too. Let's go. And put put your – you know, put the ball behind. And I understand trying to run left there. You're trying to run behind Smith and Smith, right? Do it again. Do it two more times. And, and see if Buffalo can stop you three times in a row from gaining five, four yard, from gaining one yard, essentially. And then it turned into four. Okay, can you stop me twice for less than four yards total? I don't think they could have. I think they would have wound up scoring a touchdown there. And at that point, now it's a different ballgame. Now it's 14 Absolutely. to seven, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, to me, that was just kind of, and then, and then the next series is the J-Ron curse, you know, unnecessary roughness penalty that extends a drive that, you know, away you go. But anyway, I just think there were some some opportunities missed there uh, that they needed to take advantage of and they just weren't able to. Yep. Oh, and the, the, I take it back. The next drive was the drive with the fumble that they didn't make the challenge on. So imagine it's 14 to seven right there. Yep. You challenge the fumble, you get the ball back inside, at, you know, at the Buffalo 40 yard line or the 47 yard line, basically midfield. You just scored a touchdown running it down their throat. And now you get a chance to go do it again. And then the next series, I want to say, is the series with the block punt that would have happened. But, you know, it's, it didn't go that way. And it's it's crazy to think of the butterfly effect of some of these moments in these games. No doubt. No doubt. We're gonna leave the show with some positivity because if the Cowboys the Cowboys had a five game winning streak after they lost to Philadelphia on November fifth this year, 
They beat the Giants 49 to 17. They beat the Panthers 33 to 10. They beat the Commanders 45 to 10. They beat the Seahawks 41 to 35. Then they beat the Eagles 33 to 13. They went on another five week or uh, five game winning streak. They will be playing in the NFC Championship this game and uh, this year and have a chance to reach the Super Bowl for the first time and since I've been alive. So there's the positivity to end the show. <laughs> well, I think a five game win streak makes them win against Miami. Detroit. Oh, there's three games left in the regular yeah, season. Miami, For some reason, Detroit, I was thinking there was Washington. only two. Yeah. Yep. Ma- and then, know, I don't think they're going to be the number ones. I think that's probably long gone, but I do think they have a shot to win number two now with Seattle beating Philadelphia on Monday night. So if they uh, if they get into that two seed and can win win that first round of the playoffs and then win the divisional round, they'll be in the NFC Championship game, which is, which is – I mean, the crazy thing to say is, like, I don't – like that's all Cowboys fans have kind of been asking for for the last 15, 20 years at this point. It's like, just make it to that game. We're not even asking. Yeah. You. Make it to that game and see what happens. Get in the final four and, and let, and let's see what happens. And the, the thing that you mentioned about getting the two seed, if they're able to get it, which I believe if they wind up winning the division, they will almost have to, because they will have beaten Detroit head to head and, and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, if you get the two seed, you don't go on the road until you play San Francisco. That's huge. Yes, and if if somebody who is, you know, maybe there's a team out there that's a better match. Maybe L.A. is a better matchup for San Francisco than you are because the coaches know each other so well and all that kind of stuff. And maybe L.A. goes to San Francisco and pulls a big upset. And now all of a sudden the Rams are coming to AT&T Stadium in an NFC Championship game, and you're getting to play at home. That's, you know, Think about how this team plays at home. I, I they beat they beat the Rams, who are one of the hottest teams in the league right now, about twenty three points at home earlier in the year. So, again, if like you're somebody, and, and it like, felt worse than that, I think. Yes, they scored a few. I think they scored some points late in the game to to get it going. But yeah, I mean, again, if you're one of those people who doesn't really believe in the home and away splits, that's that's a. I mean, you, I, I, Buffalo's on fire right now. I'm not trying to take anything away from Buffalo, but the Rams and Buffalo aren't like super far apart right now with the way they're playing and you beat the Rams at home by 23 and lost to Buffalo by 21 on the road. So it's just definitely, definitely a weird, uh, weird kind of coincidence here that we got going on. But um, like I said, you got Miami, Miami on the road, you got Detroit um, at home and then Washington commanders close out the season, which I think it, I think, you know, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, we kind of thought that Washington game was probably just going to be a, a, you know, one you, you might pay attention to, but not really sit down and watch. But that one's becoming a little bit more interesting with with Philly sliding a little bit, and you needing you need as many NFC wins as possible to close out this year. Um, I think I think I read that if both Dallas and Philly lose one more game, that Dallas will be the the division leader because of the the tiebreakers. So if you're if you are to drop one more game, and Philly also drops one more game, you still will be the uh, the NFC champions where if, you know, you both go undefeated that Philadelphia will win out because of the tiebreaker. So a lot of interesting. Yeah, basically you need, you need Philly to lose one more game because of the fact that all of the games remaining are common opponents. They have two against the giants and one against the Cardinals. So if Philly loses one more game, as long as you don't lose two of your last three, I think you're good. Or as long as it's not Washington that you lose two, you're fine. But there's so many – there's like a million tie-break scenarios. But basically, the Cowboys need to go out and win some games, and they still need a little bit of help because they need the Eagles to lose one more. But frankly, after the way the Eagles have played the last few weeks – Yeah, they're, they're going to lose another game. I I I'm, I'm I feel very confident in that. I mean, we – Old Tommy Cutlets is going to get them for one, I think. Uh, Kyler Murray or – the Giants are going to beat them one time. I'm not, I'm not going to guarantee anything because there's no guarantee in the sport, but I will put – a nice betting sum that the Giants will beat Philadelphia in one of their two games. They play them twice in three weeks. Philadelphia scrambling right now. The Giants have been on a little bit of a heater. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a heater, but they've been playing some better football, and I think that they'll be trying to scratch and fight for for one of those division wins to make themselves feel a little bit better about you know themselves by the end of the year. But uh, like I said, it's going to be a fun closeout to the year. Going to be a, a tight race between Philadelphia and Dallas. One way or the other, the Cowboys are in the playoffs. They did clinch a playoff spot last week before the game even kicked off. You you wonder how much of that played into the mentality of things. You know, again, you, you they can get up there and say it didn't matter at all, but I don't know. I feel like you, you get an announced 
30 minutes before a game, like, hey, we're in the playoffs, people are posting about it, maybe you take some foot off the gas. But either way, they got two really good opponents to close out the year in the Miami Dolphins and Detroit Lions. They got the Washington Commanders to to finish out the season. Like I said, they can lose one more, Philly lose one more, and they still win the division. But if they if they are able to sweep these last three opponents and uh, Philadelphia is able to, to drop a game, you will likely be the number two seed in the playoffs home playoff games all the way through until the NFC championship game. If San Francisco makes it that far, kind of tough to see them not, uh, but going to be a fun closeout to the year. I hope everybody has a fun Christmas. We'll be back post Christmas. So hope everybody has a nice holiday. Great Christmas. We'll be back next week, post Christmas to talk about the Miami Dallas game going on on Christmas Eve, 425 kickoff in Miami. Hope you guys have a great holiday. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you guys next week on the talking to star podcast. See you then. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.